Welcome to the Walk Talks podcast, a resource produced by Southland Christian Ministries located in Ringgold, Louisiana. Our purpose is to provide you with daily devotions so that you can faithfully grow in your relationship with Christ each and every day. We hope these truths will be an encouragement to you as you hear from God's Word today. Hey, this is Mike Herbster. This is Walk Talks, and thanks for joining us again today for another look into the wonderful Word of God, and I hope it can be a challenge to your heart and life as we think about Psalm 2, and we'll be looking in particular at Psalm 2, uh, verses 7, 8, and 9. And as a, just a simple review, let us just look back at verses 1 through 3, where the question is given, why do the heathen rage? And we recognize that the sinfulness of men and the sinfulness of governments and the sinfulness of actually nations working together against God is always going to be taking place in the earth. But just because it's taking place doesn't mean that God is out of control because in verses 4 through 6, what we understand is that God is going to win out. He's already set his king on the holy hill of Zion, verse 6 says, and he's causing derision and, and chaos in the life of those who are totally against him and against nations that are totally against him. And it actually says that God will laugh, not, not at their judgment. He's continually showing his mercy to them, but in the fact that they are standing against the one who created them and the one who sustains them and the one who loves them. And so what we know is this is a messianic psalm helping us to understand that the blessed way that Psalm 1 speaks about is only through the Messiah. It's definitely a messianic psalm, which we're going to get into more specifically in the verses that we're looking at here. Now, the psalmist here actually uses a, a, a dramatic thing here when he actually changes speakers in verse 7. Remember, coming off of verse 6, it says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That's God speaking. Verse 7 says, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me. So now we see that the anointed one, the one that the Lord has set on the holy hill of Zion, the king, he's now the one talking, the anointed one being the Messiah. Most believe that this is literally a messianic statement. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, listen, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. I find this interesting that Christ is speaking and that God has declared him to be the Son. Thou art my Son. Now that statement, I don't think we can emphasize it enough in the short time that we have, but this idea of Jesus, the Messiah, being the Son of God, it's going to come up later in this text as well. Now what we do know is that throughout the New Testament, we have many declarations of Jesus being the begotten Son of God. Of course, the probably the greatest reference that is there is uh, John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his, there it is, only begotten Son. 
And but we also find that God further acknowledges him as the son in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. And then we know that Peter in 2 Peter 1, 17, and also in verse 8 helps us to know, I'm sorry, verse 7 and 8 helps us to know that the inheritance of the Messiah is for all peoples. And it's a declaration that all nations belong to the Son. So we know that this reference is specifically about both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ, which is the most beautiful mystery known to mankind. It is one of those mysteries that is a mystery on purpose. You cannot completely comprehend how that Jesus can be holy God and how Jesus can be holy man. But the fact that he is the son is both clearly showing his divinity and clearly showing his humanity. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, you remember that the Pharisees picked up stones to stone him when he claimed that he was the son of God. They knew that he was declaring his divinity by that. So when this prophecy about the Messiah, um, we know it to be clearly about the Messiah because, again, anytime you have references in the New Testament that quote directly the reference from the Old, it declares to us the truth that it is a mess messianic psalm and a messianic prophecy. For instance, Acts chapter 13, verse 33, the Bible says this, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. So we're specifically speaking about Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. It actually states the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Specific statement that Jesus is going to be raised, that Jesus was raised, and that he is the son of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, I won't quote that one, but you can look that one up as well. It states the same this same um, quotation from this second song. So through Christ, blessedness comes to life. So if Psalm 1 tells us the blessed life is the way to live, and, and Psalm 2 is helping us see that this, is, this life only comes through Jesus Christ. So it's connected in Acts chapter 13 to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which clearly shows his divinity and his humanity because he raised himself from the grave. It's a phenomenal statement here when it says that he that God has said about him that he is the son and he hath begotten thee. He is the only begotten son of God, only unique, one-of-a-kind son of God. Many false religions try to take away from the deity of Christ. Any religion that claims that Jesus is not God is a false religion. And so you have many religions out there like that. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in human form. And he declared it. His Father declared it. The apostles declared it. And we should declare it. And in order for somebody to be truly saved and to be marching to Zion with other believers, they must know that Jesus is God. And notice verse 8. It says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. I think this is a direct reference to the fact that Jesus Christ is making a way for the heathen to be saved. Remember, it starts the, the whole psalm starts with why do the heathen rage? Because they're going after their own way and their senselessness, etc. This is saying that that if if we understand that the Son is given so that the heathen can be saved, 
and become his inheritance, an inheritance that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us, as the New Testament relates. We need to rejoice in and praise the Lord today that we have an inheritance because of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. I believe this is in direct reference to the fact that all people can be saved. All nations of the world will know the truth of Jesus. All men will have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Verse 9 is a reference to how he's going to do this. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. I believe he's using kind of a, an opposite thing here where he talks about how the rod of correction and instruction will come to many people and they will break, they'll respond, they'll listen to the Spirit of God, they'll receive Jesus as who he is, and then there will be others that they will be dashed in judgment into pieces like the potter's vessel. Most believe that he's re referring to both his mercy of his correction and, and of sin and his grace to save and his judgment upon those who do not receive him. Now, what can we learn from this today? Practically, we can rejoice in the fact that the Son of God has come to seek and to save those that were lost, that he is willing to save to the uttermost, that he is both divine, divine and human, and because of that, he has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, that he has given to us an inheritance, an inheritance of that blessed life spoken about in Psalm 1, that will bring forth, and in the last verse, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It brings forth, as he says in, in verse 3, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That God has a prosperous way through Jesus Christ, those who believe, those who receive his mercy, that we can walk in the midst of a wicked world rejoicing in the future hope as we march to Zion. This is so awesome to know that as we go out in the world that, that is wicked, that we can share the truth of Jesus with somebody today that doesn't know him, and we can know that the rod, as he says, the rod of iron is seeking to break them. The rod of God's truth is seeking to break them. And some will receive Christ, and we should be earnest about our soul-winning efforts. We should be sharing the fact that Jesus is the only way of salvation. So these verses help us to rejoice in the goodness of our Messiah, knowing that he's come to save, and that through him we do not have to perish, but we can have eternal life. hope that can cause you to, to have a day of rejoicing today in your salvation. And I hope that we'll go, we'll go out and live this life in Christ, this blessed way. Thanks for listening today, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. If there's anything we can do to be a help to you at Southland Christian Camp, let us know. Thanks for listening to Walk Talks. Thanks for listening to the Walk Talks podcast. We trust that what you've heard today has challenged your walk with God. It is our prayer that through this podcast, every listener would strive to become more like Christ and faithfully live for Him each and every day. Join us next time, and God bless.